You're listening to 2, 5, and 10. Your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. I've got some famous friends you probably never heard of. But back in Rutherford County, our crowd is second to none. You might not know I'm here in this big city we're in. But when I go back home, I've got some famous friends. Yeah, I do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 104 of 2, 5, and 10. This is the trade deadline episode. Benny, what up? The Ronnie Francis and Kevin Lowe episode. Oh, you you were doing math before the show. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, deadline's coming past. Uh, I know you wanted me to repeat this from what I said before we started, but this is going to be probably our most insightful but quick episode we've ever put out there. So no weekend reviews, no news from around the league. Uh, it's just here are the trades that happened, here are the ones we want to talk about and highlight, and then we'll do our picks, and then we're, we're out of here, people. Simple, quick, and easy. <laughs> um, th- I will say, I wasn't expecting too much from a trade deadline this year because of the flat cap and you know how there's not too many teams that are just flat out of it in terms of the playoff race. So some teams can convince themselves, hey, if we go on a little bit of a run here the next week or two, we have a chance. Um, so I wasn't expecting too much, but... That was, what's the stat? Uh, only 26 players were moved on deadline day, which is the quietest NHL trade deadline since 2000, so 21 years, and 17 trades in all, which is just over half of the amount of trades we had at last year's deadline. So I wasn't quite expecting that. No, I, I think the usual excitement of trade deadline day was definitely... Not here with this one, the flat cap. Um, it, it seemed like people were very hesitant to move other people, and I think everyone's looking forward to the draft. Maybe the draft, when there's a little bit more normalcy and certainty, will be more willing to move certain players. But it just yeah. seemed like the, people were like, nope, first-round pick, we need to hold on to it. Nope, it just... Uh, everyone's Tampa Bay, then who cares about first round picks? Well, well unless you're, well, if you're Tampa Bay, you don't even have to draft. You just leave yeah. the same t- <laughs> same team out there, and you'll be all right. Um, but yeah, so I'll list off all the trades that happened since our last episode, uh, which we did on Thursday, and then we'll highlight a few of the deals we want to talk about. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about the Taylor Hall trade, but that's just a hunch. Um, but I'll start from April 9th. Uh, we made a joke about him. But Riley Nash was traded from Columbus to Toronto for a seventh-round pick. Uh, Colorado reacquired former defenseman uh, forward Patrick Namath from the Red Wings for a fourth-rounder in 2022. Uh, a more no- little bit of a more notable trade, the Avalanche got their veteran backup goaltender by trading for Devin Dubnik from the Sharks for a fifth-round pick in 2021 and defenseman Greg Paterin, who I feel like is traded at every deadline. I do, too. I do, too. Uh, every time, every year, it's just like, oh, he was dealt again. Uh, I don't even know if he's real. Like, has anybody actually seen him play a game? <laughs> no, you, you, but it's guaranteed every deadline day, Paterin's going somewhere. It's like NHL simulate the trade deadline, like NHL uh, 2K18, and all of a sudden it's like, Greg Paterin traded for a fifth-rounder. <laughs> um, the Florida Panthers, which yours. 
Uh, your favorite host, Kevin Norton, predicted acquired defenseman Brandon Montour from the Sabres for only a third-round pick in 2021. Uh, then Tampa Bay followed that up with a three-way deal. They acquired David Savard from Columbus. Uh, they Tampa Bay traded a first-round pick in 2021 and a third-round pick in 2022. Uh, as part of that deal, Detroit was involved, Columbus was involved, but basically the gist of it is David Savard was traded from Columbus ends up in Tampa, and uh, Columbus ends up with uh, their, their third first-round pick in the upcoming draft this summer. Um, I'm going to skip over this one. A sneaky trade I did like, Montreal trading for John Merrill from Detroit for a fifth-round pick, uh, and prospect Hayden Verbeek. Then Toronto acquired Nick Foligno from Columbus. Uh, for a first-round pick in 2021, a fourth-round pick in 2022, and a fourth-round pick in 2021, which, oh boy. Um, Toronto then followed up with a deal for backer goaltender David Riddich from Calgary for a third-round pick in 2022. The Bruins made a nice def- acquisition for defenseman Mike Riley from Ottawa for a third-round pick in 2022. The Islanders acquired Braden Coburn for some reason for a seventh-round pick in 2022. Uh, I call this one, Jeff Carter on a move from L.A., uh, traded to Pittsburgh for conditional picks in 2022 and 2023. Boston acquires Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from Buffalo for forward Anders Bjork in a second-round pick in 2021. Uh, you like this deal. Chicago acquired forward Adam Gardette from Vancouver for uh, deaf forward Matthew Hig- uh, Highmore. And then the last few deals here, Edmonton, nice deaf addition on defense, they try, acquired Dmitry Kulikov from the Devils in exchange for a conditional fourth-round pick in 2022. Uh, Colorado, you know, they like their familiar faces, brought back Carl Soderberg from the Blackhawks for two prospects. Uh, Vegas traded a second-round pick in 2021 and a third-round pick in 2022 and a fifth-round pick in 2022 for Matias Janmark and defenseman Nick DeSimeone. Uh Hayden Fleury was finally dealt from Carolina. Uh, he's on his way to Anaheim for a six-round pick in 2022 and defense prospect Yanni Hockenpah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Washington acquired... This is, this is, I think, the biggest surprise deal of the day. Washington acquired mammoth power forward Anthony Mantha from Detroit for Jacob Rana, Richard Paddock, a first-round pick in 2021 and a second-round pick in 2022. Um, and I would say the last two notable deals of the day, Florida acquired Sam Bennett and a six-round pick in 2022 from Calgary for uh, prospect forward prospect Emil Hinneman and his 2022 second-round pick. And Washington acquired Michael Raffle from the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for a 2021 fifth-round pick. Branson also... Nashville, everybody thought they were going to sell. It kept everybody and even added. They brought in Eric and Branson from Ottawa uh, for a seventh-round pick and defense, deaf defenseman Brandon Fortunato. So, I know that was a lot. Your initial thoughts? I think people definitely went in there with just needs as to what teams were going to need. And it wasn't about certain players. It was just needs. Like, Alex Goligoski, one of the guys that was rumored not moved. Uh, Matthias Ekholm, not moved. Uh, you heard of possibly Matt Duchesne 
not moved. So I think there was a market that was set and people just went after specific needs and not the actual player, which according to GMs can be good and according to GMs could be bad. I mean, I, I like, I brought up the Nashville one right there with good Branson. I, I think they solidified a big body on that back end to help them out. Uh, they send out Brandon Fortunato to Ottawa, a younger guy who's going to play in that lineup next year. So needs both ways. I, I just think, I, I don't think anyone really got bent over here either, except for Washington and the Mantha deal. I, I think Washington got bent over a little bit. But um, I, I think everything was relatively fair you'd say all right that that's that's market value so i don't think there was anything too crazy what were your thoughts yeah so just piggybacking off your point there was very much <laughs> a market of we need like for example with montreal they wanted to kind of help solidify their top six and bring in a guy who you can scratch if necessary and it's not going to kind of lead to any issues. He's not going to count too much against your cap. And you bring in a solid 6th, 7th defenseman in John Merrill for basically nothing. So I feel like a lot of GMs were looking at this situation going, you don't have much cap space. Here are some of the needs. What can we get done here? And the pickings were slim because you have Nashville and Arizona, who many thought were going to be selling at this deadline, did just enough to keep themselves in the race. So then they those guys came off the market and then the teams that were still looking were like alright not much going on here um, that Mantha deal so I know Mantha's more committed defensively He had, he's much bigger than Jacob Verana um, but I feel like Verana's going to go to Detroit and have much more ice time much more expanded role and he's probably going to out point produce Mantha but I think Mantha is the type of guy they need for this run that they're going on. They're already, I think, one of the biggest teams in the league. They had another six foot four, two hundred and forty-five pound forward to create space for Kuznetsov and Backstrom and Ovechkin. I know Ovechkin doesn't need help making space, but so I think Mantha is a better fit if you just look at it on an on ice perspective. But to trade Verona, who's two years younger, a little bit cheaper and produces at a similar point-per-game pace, and then you add a first and a second-round pick on top of it, I think that's where the trade tilts from. It makes sense to overpayment. Yeah, I mean, maybe Stevie Y just... Don't get me wrong, I know Anthony Mantha's been a very good prospect for them and player, but, like, Stevie Y was not willing to let him go unless it was for something. Yeah, and plus, I do like the Panic Edition, too. Like, he's not going to... You know, all of a sudden explode into a top six player, but I think on a team like Detroit, like solid third, fourth line guy, pretty. I know he has uh, for that role, his contract might be considered expensive, but when you're in Detroit and you need some veteran guys in there, like they brought in over the previous off season, and you have tons of cap space, that's the least of your concern right now. So I think that's also an underrated move right there. We need to talk about the Taylor Hall trade. Um, and the comparison between what you guys had to give up to get him versus what Toronto gave up for Nick Foligno, what Vegas gave up for Matias Janmark, um, 
even what uh, Anthony Mantha brought back. <laughs> like, you look at that, basically, Terrell Hall was cheated as a forefront and forward. Yeah, I I woke up this morning to the news, and I just couldn't believe that was that was all that cost us. There was Anders Bjork and a second-round pick. I'm, I'm like, what else is there? Yeah, and Bjork's basically, if you look at the deal, the way I was looking at it, tell me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like Bjork for Lazar and then a second-rounder for Hall. And then they're eating half of his contract, too. Yeah, I mean... It comes out today, Taylor Hall says, I want to be in Boston, I want to play in Boston. Uh, He had a no-movement clause. Allegedly, there's rumors coming out that it was Boston the whole time. He he didn't want to go anywhere else. There was other teams that were involved. I don't know what what isn't. Those are just rumors. But um, instantly says he wants to come out here and he wants to stay here a couple of years. This is, to me, lightning in a bottle. Um, you come in here, if he comes in and he can light it up with David Krejci on that second line, I think you're already in a better spot. Uh, yeah. We now finally have a quote-unquote elite star winger. So now I don't think Boston fans can complain too much. If he comes in here and he doesn't produce, I can already hear it. This fucking, like, I can already hear it in my head. For what we paid for him, no one here has any complaints. You, you can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, David Krejci's going to get him the puck. David Krejci gets everybody the puck. So, I, I think that is a great business venture, a nice business opportunity on both ways. I mean, this is a contract year for Hall. This is a contract year for Krejci. I think if the two of them can get something going the offseason for Boston this is a twofer where alright David Krejci is going to be UFA we'd love to have you back Krejci one year two year deal four and a half a year sign here on the paper if Taylor Hall comes back and he can get back to that heart trophy status that he was in when he was in Jersey I mean alright Taylor well you want to play here this is where you want to be well this is how it works you're not making more money, more money than Bergeron. You're not making more money than Marchand. We'll give you a three, four years, $6 million a year, sign on this paper. Like, is he going to buy in completely? That I don't know. Yeah. Well, at this point, if he doesn't, like, you're basically going to get blackballed out of the league because you see where your value is on a market based on what you were dealt for. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing to me, everybody, like, <laughs> There's a lot of uh, publicity around two goals and 37 or 38 games for Buffalo, which no one can cover up. Like, that's horseshit. But his underlying numbers are still strong. Like, uh, his puck possession, zone entry, uh, his passing game is still elite. So it's almost a matter of... His shooting percentage this year is 2.5%. His career is 10% on average. So even if he only doubles his shooting percentage after joining a much stronger team, and the best team he's ever played for in his entire career, this Bruins team, like he's still a difference maker, which is weird to say because we're talking about Hall and troubles he's had. I think if you change his name from Terrell, Terrell Hall to, like, 
Joe Nobody, and he produces like he would, or I'm expecting him to, on his first team for the playoff portion and the playoffs, this summer he would get a four-year, $16 million deal. Easy. But because his name is Taylor Hall and he has a high draft pick status and he has that tag, that baggage that's going to follow him around, even if he plays well for Boston, people are going to be like, well, do we want to commit long-term because look what And he's going to struggle to get like a two-year deal for $10 million. <laughs> so I think this buy low at the deadline is also a buy low in free agency. No, he could set the world on fire at Boston and teams are still going to hesitate to give him a long-term deal or a multi-year deal. And that's where Boston can still swoop in with the cap situation and go, we gave up nothing to get you. And we're going to get you for below market value for a two-year two year deal. Or he comes in and does nothing, flames out, it's not a fit, and you guys are off the hook. Like It's a win-win situation, I think, for the Bruins. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think uh, Curtis Lazar is definitely getting undersold here. This is a player that yeah, we I can... Yeah, I love that pickup. Dude, we could plug him into our bottom six. And, and I mean, significant increase in production and improvement a guy that can play any situation uh any forward position oh yeah I, I think i don't know if he'll be on our third line he'll probably most definitely be on our fourth but you have frederick lazar and whoever you want to put on that wing whether it's wagner or corrali or somebody like that i think uh that bottom six is definitely solidified yeah and he's still young i think he's 25 like he's so I like that addition as well. And the other thing is, like you said with Creature, Hall's such a strong assist man that I could see a situation where if he plays well in Boston and Boston feels confident, they could get him for below market value. And if Krejci leaves, obviously Hall's going to stay in the left wing. But you can potentially try and bring in a different type of player as your 2C mm-hmm. than a Krejci type. And you still have the elite playmaking on a wing now instead of at center. Yeah, and so I was going to say, Charlie. possibilities. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, Charlie Coyle right now is not that 2C, so we would definitely have to look yeah. elsewhere for that void. Do you think they've. Even if Hall hits your expectations, do you think this deal. They basically had Lazar, Hall, and Riley. Do you think that's enough to change your perspective on their playoff prospects in terms of when they're in a tournament and they're playing. <laughs> Washington, the Islanders, Pittsburgh. No. Um, personally, to be better, I thought we needed a little bit more. Uh, I don't know money-wise if we could have made it work, but I think that we definitely could have shipped out Jake DeBrusque. Uh I believe Anaheim said that they were looking for a first-round pick for both Ricard Raquel and Josh Manson, and I think Manson locks down our D-end. Um, I think Ricard is just a better player than Jake is. I just think he's more consistent. So with those two, I think it definitely would have been a game changer along with Taylor Hall. I know Don wasn't giving up a first round pick. They said with the Taylor Hall negotiations, that was the biggest thing. He was not giving up another first round pick wants to draft in the first round this year. I think we are a better team today than we were yesterday. But still going up against Washington or the Islanders, I still don't feel very comfortable or confident. The flip side of it is for Buffalo, they made that deal 12 hours before the deadline. And it's not like they were like, all right, let's make the deal now because we're getting a first-round pick and a prospect for a haul. 
You're telling me that's like worst case scenario, and you don't give enough time for, let's say, someone else loses out. Let's say Washington wanted to bring in Mantha, and then that deal falls through, and they're looking around like, maybe, let's try to make a deal for Hall. I know he's a different type of player, but let's bring in Hall. If they were willing to give up Verona, Panic, a first and a second for Mantha, they probably would have, not Verona, but I'm sure you would have gotten a prospect in the and potentially a first or a prospect in the second from Washington. So at this point, if it were me, I know they probably wanted to do right by Hall by getting him out of there and just like sending him to a, a legit contender for the first time. So on a personal level, I get it. But from a asset management, you might as well just hold on to him and keep Lazar. Like, why are you giving up Lazar? Like, Andrews Bjork isn't nothing to write home about. Might as well just have kept him. Like, what's the point? Uh, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know how just a second-round pick this year makes you that much better. I, I don't. Um, and, and the other part, too, is, like you said, looking at the market as to what Manta got in return. Just, just even the Blue Jackets, their return for Felino. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually thoughts on that deal. Yeah. Um, well, just in comparison to Hall, I mean, Obviously, there are two different types of players. Uh, Nick's a definitely a lot bigger, stronger, more in-your-face kind of guy grinded out than Taylor Hall is. And, you know, Taylor Hall has that reputation behind him. But, like, Columbus did good. Like, yeah. the, like they did really good. I, I yeah, think... Yeah, three first-round picks this summer now. Yeah, like, I, I think Toronto knows that right now is their window, so they have to be all in, and I respect that. But... That's a steep price to pay, and for me, Toronto's always that team that I don't really care how deep they go or what they do. They're just always going to, like, there's just always going to be something in the way. Yeah. So so I just think, like, they're putting all their eggs in the basket, which they should with this year. They have the team. They have the standings. They're there. They need to be better. But I just always feel like Toronto's just one of those teams where it's like, they're running, they're running, they're running, and then they look down, they realize that their shoelaces are tied together, and then they trip. It's like, so it's just once they finally realize they're doing good, they get really bad. I will say, what's crazy about that deal for me is I know Felino, the captain, he's going to bring leadership. Um, he's a nice third, fourth line guy to have. Like you, Now you have him, you have Spezza, Thornton, Simmons, like some big bodies in your bottom six for Toronto. But he's. We just talked about how bad of a year, goal scoring wise and points wise, Terrell Hall has had for Buffalo, and he was traded for a second round pick. Basically, he still outproduced Nick Foligno the last two years, and Foligno brings back a first, a fourth, and two fourth rounders. So that's, I just don't get what Buffalo did there. Toronto obviously overpaid, but like you said, they're going all in. I don't know if it's enough. I think they're paying for names rather than production. Like, yeah, Joe Thornton was great. They're basically assembling the, a really great playoff roster for 2015. Like, Felino, Thornton, Simmons, Spezza, like, those, okay, great. Like, they're in your bottom six. They're all older. They're all slow. Like, I'm not quite sure if it's going to tip the scale in, either, in a positive direction for him, but obviously they think it will. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the Jeff Carter deal. Um, 
he was my choice last week from the Western Conference of surprising I might get dealt. So he goes to Pittsburgh. I unfortunately love this deal. He still rips them among the best in the league. I think he leads the King or led the Kings with like 120 something shots in a year. He's going to play on a wing, big body. He's going to get power play time. He's going to play on your third line who can slide up onto the second line if necessary. Depth scoring, like he's won two cups. You basically got him for nothing. And LA is helping with the cap hit. So, in terms of low cost, low risk move, I think that's the best deal of the day because you know what you're getting in Carter, you know what you're getting for him on the ice and in the locker room. And you know that come playoff time, he always finds an extra gear in terms of uh, right spot, right time. Yeah, notorious playoff performer. Yeah, so now you're going to run out of power play. And plus, Ronnie Hextall knows him from L.A. So now you're going to run out of power play unit. Both units are going to have Sid the Kid, Malkin, Carter, um, Russ. Gensel. Yeah, so it's like, pick your poison. I think that deal, people noticed it because of the name Jeff Carter, but I think besides that, people glossed over it a little bit too quickly. I think in a series against the Islanders especially, like that's a deal that might be one of the difference makers of it. Um And then, for me, the other thing is Colorado making a move for the goaltending situation. If Devin Dubnik is the best you can do for a team that is hoping to win the Stanley Cup this year and for the last two years has had a situation where they're like, we like Grubauer, but we need to add somebody as like a 1A type guy. Either the market has tanked, or Colorado's not being aggressive enough. Like, you can't waste years. You can't waste windows. And I feel like we could be entering something there. Same thing with Carolina, not taking care of their goaltending situation. Like, who would you rather have? Dubnik or Riddich? Riddich. Yeah, same here. And Toronto got him for a third rounder, which is nothing. And you get Dubnik for a fifth rounder and Greg Paterin, our boy. So I know Dubnik is more of a veteran. They're probably relying on that, but he's been toast. And no, he had a great career. Like no one's shitting on a guy, but he's been toast for two going on three years. So I don't know if that's like the best use of resources and time for the prime of McKinnon's career here to solidify potentially your only weakness on a roster. I I just wonder like. We didn't really see the, those were the only two goalies that went Riddich and yeah. Dubnik. So I wonder if other people just had too high of a cost. L- like you said, Carolina, like their one weakness is the net, and they didn't do anything there. So, so I would at least put Colorado and or Toronto ahead of them just in that stature. I mean, at least they're li- breathing a little bit easier. And, sorry, I meant to ask this when we were talking about Hall. Who's on the third line? Because Marshy's on the first. Is it DeBrusque on the third line? Yeah, I'm assuming DeBrusque would be pushed down, and it would be DeBrusque-Coyle, and then on that other side, maybe Richie, or maybe they have Richie up on the second line. So 
I think that third line right wing is TBD. Could be Carson Kuhlman. Uh, I think it just all depends on who they put where. Like, there's been a lot of line shuffling lately. Like, Smith's been up with Bergeron and Marchand. Pasta's been down with Krejci. At the end of the last game, uh, Cassidy switched them back to the normal line. So, maybe hoping to get a jump out of Pasta. You can just see he's been very frustrated lately. He only has, I think it's like three goals in his last 18 games, and that's a career low for him. So he's kind of a little bit in a funk. So I think he's just trying to uh, shake him up a little bit. I do think you can alternate your right winger. So you could put Craig Smith up with Bergeron or Marchand and then bring Pasta down. I mean, maybe that's a go-to move now where Pasta goes down and now he has two playmakers looking for him. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that you can't break up Marchand and Bergeron. That's like just one combo that won't be broken up. So yeah. everybody else can kind of intermingle, but those two aren't going anywhere. Were there any other deals that happened since Thursday that we haven't talked about that you're like, interesting, or like, what were they thinking? I, I really Most of them are like depth deals, so it's not like nothing too exciting. Yeah, like I, I really like the Islanders getting Braden Coburn. I, I know you torched them, but <laughs> I, I just think for a team like the Islanders that is so defensively sound, Braden Coburn just brings that every time. Just he, He's going to block anything that's in his way. He's going to throw his face in front of everything. Uh, I just think that that is one guy that brings you the best out of your team. Um, the Brandon Montour deal, I, I love it for the Panthers. They, they needed someone to fill that Ekblad role. Uh, the Sabres get a third-round pick. I'm surprised that knowing the need of the Panthers that it only cost them a third round pick. Like I thought it would have been at least a second, but Hey, I mean, good for them. Uh, you referenced earlier. I really like that. Autumn got Adam Godet deal going to Chicago. I just think he's, he's a really good player. I saw him here when he was at Northeastern game in and game out. Um, I think he's going to go to that young forward group there with the Brinkett and Strom and end up just being a really good player. And, uh, maybe finally stay in the lineup. I feel like in Vancouver he was playing more of a bottom six role, but I think he definitely has m- more top nine potential than a bottom six. But I could see him having like a Carter Hagee type breakout. Maybe not the rest of this season, but next season. Yeah, I think next season. I mean, you get Kirby Doc back completely, like completely rehab, not just this partial one, and he's back in. Um, I also like. Uh, the Maple Leafs picking up Ben Hutton, too. I just think one extra D guy up there is not going to hurt them in the least. Yeah, and just with the injury bug. Yeah, just with the injury bug lately in general around the league, I think just having another NHL-ready defenseman with you is a uh, a solid choice there. Yeah, for me, the only other deal I wanted to highlight was Sam Bennett going to Florida. Um, they, had, they gave up a second-round pick in 2022, and also... A promising <laughs> forward prospect in Henneman, but not too much of a future in Florida. It seemed like, for whatever reason or another, they didn't seem too keen on getting him into the fold. So they bring in Bennett, who's still just 24. I know he's a pending RFA, so I'll have to figure out that bridge deal, most likely. But I think, yeah, his goal scoring, his offensive production hasn't 
matched up to where he was drafted. But one, I think the Quenneville system will benefit him tremendously. And two, he's so versatile. You can use him. He's his natural center. He can play the wing. He can play in your top six. He can play in your third line because of his gritty type of play. And Florida making a legitimate playoff push for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah. Bennett plays a very good playoff style game. So I think it's a good short-term and long-term deal. And I really hope Bennett takes off in Florida just because you hate to see a guy draft the top five and consider it a bust. Like, he made it to the league. He's a contributing top nine forward. Yeah, he's not a franchise-type guy or an all-star-type guy. But I also think that he was kind of rope doped around in Calgary early on in his career by previous coaching staffs, and that kind of hindered his development. He didn't exactly know what his role was, and he commented on this, like, I came in, was I a top six guy, and I should be playing like this? And then if I play like that, I would be criticized because I wasn't playing uh, defensively aware enough, and then I would sacrifice my offense to be defensively aware. So I'm hoping he goes to a Hall of Fame coach like Quenville. Quenville just tells him, this is what I want from you. Just go out there and do it. And gets to do it in a situation where he's not a former fourth overall pick from Florida. He's just Sam Bennett, a new guy on the scene, and he gets to kind of start fresh there. Is there anyone you're surprised that wasn't moved? I'm actually surprised Dustin Brown wasn't moved out of L.A. And I know I call Carter, but I just, you know, you look at the Felino deal and you look at Brown. Yeah, Brown doesn't have as much size, but it plays a very similar game, same leadership qualities, um, has won a cup, two cups. So it's kind of like, yeah, L.A. would have had to eat some money, but I would have thought some team, especially a younger team making a playoff push, <clears throat> Florida, um, might have looked to add somebody like that, um, or even Toronto, you know, before Felino. Like, I'd rather give given up that package for Brown and Felino, to be honest. Um, yeah, so I think that's the big name I said out, and also Bernier not being dealt out of Detroit. Yeah, I'm surprised that... Uh... Colorado didn't go after Bernier. Just yeah. I, I thought that was a, a fit for him. Well, one person I'm very surprised that wasn't moved because I, I don't know if it was just the limited amount of teams that he gave or it, it was just kind of too late was Ryan Getzlaff. I, I heard mm. he was very interested in going to Vegas. Uh, Vegas ended up getting Yanmark. I mean, I, I think if you're going for in all-in for a player like Ryan Getzlaff's caliber as to what he's going to give you every night. I mean, I, I understand he has a very high cap hit, so there probably have to be a, another person involved to take a lot of that salary. But, but fuck, man, that, that would have made Vegas so much better, just the ability to have him in that lineup. Yeah, and they could use the center depth. We've talked about that, I feel like, all year. And if, I would love to have seen a fourth line of Getzlaff and Ryan Reeves. <laughs> Those two big boys. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's interesting, too. Um, just bring a quick hit on the Rangers. Nobody's traded. First time in, I think, four years, the Rangers haven't traded somebody away who was a pending UFA, and they also didn't bring anybody in. The one thing I wanted to highlight for the Rangers is, though, they just signed... 
Zach Jones from UMass, uh, national champion UMass. Strat Daddy. Yeah, considered the best defenseman on a team and one of the best defensemen in Hockey East to a three-year entry-level deal. And he is reporting directly to New York, and they are going to burn his first year by playing him for the last 12 to 15 games. So they are fast-tracking him to New York. Um, everybody calls him the left-handed Adam Fox. So we'll see. So, I mean, now just thinking about it, so is it better calling him the Strat Daddy or the Strat Natty for the national championship? So, <laughs> I uh, think he gets Strat Natty until a new champion's crown. I'll have to make the T-shirts now. At least we'll have a year of those. You know, a, a little revenue for the boys. Yeah, so, I mean, th- now that the, also to highlight uh, for people out there, now that the deadline has passed, there are no roster limits on teams anymore. So there's no more 23-man roster limit. You are allowed to have four call-ups outside of emergencies the rest of the year. Obviously, there's only about 15 games left for most teams. The Rangers are going to use two of those right away. They're calling up two big boys. Uh, they're going to be calling up Morgan Barron, who is an actual prospect from Hartford. He's their leading scorer for the Wolfpack this year. He's 6'5", 240. And they're also going to be calling up uh, winger, left winger, um, Oh my god! I had it written down, and now I can't find a piece of paper. Uh, but he's like six five, two fifty, and he's a more of a fourth line fighter type guy. So getting a look there. Um, in terms of the Jones situation, if he comes in and he's going to start playing games, I'm curious to see what happens because you're not taking Miller out on the left side, you're not taking Lingren away from Fox on the left side, and Libor Hayek, left hand shot guy, has been playing pretty well in your third pair. So if you want to get Jones some his time, you either bump Hayek over to the right side or you bench him completely, and then next year you're bringing in Lindquist to play on the right side. <laughs> so Hayek might be on man out, even though they can protect him from Seattle. So um, Rangers are... And that's not even counting Matthew Robertson, Braden Schneider, the kid they just drafted in this year's past first round, um, Tarmo Runainen, uh, who's still around, uh yeah, so Rangers are loaded on the back end, and they might start using some of that to bring in some forward help, too. I mean, the future's looking bright in the Big Apple. Yeah, so I'm excited to see Jones. Everybody keeps saying he's a left-handed Adam Fox, which is lofty enough already without putting expectations on the kid. But if he's half as good as Fox turned out to be, the Rangers have basically six really great above average to great defensemen on their roster with five of them bring, being on entry-level deals, which is perfect for the Caps. Well, I'd say perfect for the cap and perfect for the expansion because you don't have to protect them. They're already protected because they're exactly. on entry-levels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was it on my end in terms of the deadline and a little quick tidbit about the Rangers. I don't know if you had anything else Bruins-wise or... Uh, well, one tidbit on the Rangers. Uh, did you see that thing that came out a little while ago about D'Angelo where the they were going to mutually terminate his contract, but I guess Montreal was extremely interested in D'Angelo's services, but he didn't want to go to Montreal, so he said, no, you can buy me out in the offseason. Oh, God. I mean, either way, it doesn't matter, because he basically counts against nothing against our cap after a buyout this summer because of his age, so it doesn't, no skin off my nose. Oh, no, I mean, and next season, it's only one year, too, so it'll be a one-year buyout, it'll be short money. Yeah. I think it's like $800,000 cap hit or something like that. So, yeah. So. Um, I'm, I know teams wouldn't have 
Apparently Montreal was interested enough, but I doubted anybody would have traded tangible assets for him. But as a free agent who's probably going to be coming in on a cheap one-year prove-it deal to rebuild his value off the ice mainly, I, I wonder if there's a contender out there because he was a, one of the top offensive defensemen in the league last year that would bring him in or if he's going to have to take a deal of like a Detroit or in Ottawa to rebuild that value. I mean, if I know they're my boys, but if you add them to that Ottawa thing, Ottawa just picked up uh, Victor Mete today off of waivers for Montreal. So uh, they're definitely trying to shape up that back end. I, I think Ottawa's going to be a problem next year. Especially in those unis. I love them. I love the red ones. The old ones? Yeah, and I, I got a big stutzel for those unis. <laughs> um, so... Game of the week, lock of the week, since we won't be recording until next week. I'll go first. Uh, my lock of the week, easy one, Boston at home against Buffalo tomorrow, Tuesday, April 13th. My game of the week, I'm going to go... All right, I have two written down. Which one should I go with? I'm going to go Florida versus Tampa Bay on Thursday, April 15th. Tampa Bay at home. Uh, there's rumors that Kucherov might come back as early as that game, but we'll see. Uh, but the two two of the heavyweights of the quote-unquote Eastern Conference going at it down a stretch. Well, I also had the same lock of the week as you. I'm hoping that, uh, <laughs> you know, my bees can turn it around. We've been very lackluster. But uh, just throwing it out there, Buffalo hasn't been a slouch lately either. I mean, Hall hasn't been playing because they wanted to keep him healthy for a trade. Eichel's been out. They came back and they beat Philly. So, I mean, not not just a pushover game. So the boys are going to have to show up. And I also have, for my game of the night, is the same night as yours. I have uh, that same division as well, Nashville at Carolina. Okay. Nashville's been 8-2 uh, and two in their last 10. So uh, maybe... They solidified their playoff spot. I think they've solidified their playoff spot. And I think the other part of it is maybe they didn't do anything at this point just because they were... The, the team has finally come together a little bit. They're on a roll, so maybe they just feel comfortable with what they have, and they're rolling with it. Well, they broke a Branson in, which you know, can't hurt. That's uh, your seventh D. That, that's some big meat right there. No bull. <laughs> He's a big boy. Um, who do you got for shout-outs? Uh, who do I have for shout-outs? I, I know Uncle James is very grateful for the shout-out last week, so a, another big shout-out to Uncle James. Um, who else do I have for shout-outs this week? Um, Nick Lorenzo already knows I'm coming for him, so I don't even have to reference him anymore. I, I think he looks forward to it every week, but he, he's a little nervous. He's a little skittish. He wants to know, well, what's your team name of the tournament? Well, what, what day are we playing, you guys? Like, uh, just worry about stopping the puck. Don't worry about me. Like, I think I already have arthritis in my knuckles from just, like, feeling the vibration of the stick off of his blocker, and, like, it just feels so good. So I, I was just throwing that out there. And then a, a big strat out to uh, the Strat Natty for the uh, national championship. I, I know he loves that UMass team, so good, good to see one for my boy. Yeah, so I can't make fun of his obsession for a year at, at least. So we'll, And I will also thank him for developing... Mr. Zachary Jones for me as well. Um, shout out for me, just a quick off-ice thing with Hank. Uh, apparently he was secretly trying to attempt to come back for <laughs> late in this season and for the playoffs for the Capitals. Um, but after a few weeks of being on the ice, taking uh, some shoot-arounds, not officially with the team, but on his own, 
doctors discovered some inflammation around his heart, so he had to shut things down. He's not coming back this year at all. Um, so, one, surprised that he was trying to push it back this year after having open-heart surgery. Not surprised with how competitive he is. But, two, with this kind of setback, I know he's not going to want to go out on the health thing, but at this point, I feel like it's just like you're, you're pushing it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like your body's trying to tell you, like, slow it, like, wrap it up. Like, you don't want to be, you don't want to, I know you love hockey, man. I know you're one of the greatest goaltenders of the last 15 years. But you have a wife and kids. Like, I don't think you need to risk any type of long-term health issues just to get back on the ice. I disagree. I think he needs to go win a cup. Get, get your ass back out there. No excuses. Ah, I'd rather not see him die at 40 because of heart conditions, though. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I read the same thing as well, and it looked like he, he said he probably needs to take about four to six weeks off completely to k- kind of rest up that area and deal with the inflammation. So well, we can say that he's not coming back this year, possibly a next-year return. I mean... Do you hope he re-signs with the contender again just for a chance? Or, or what is your thoughts on him just next year? If he's cleared, he's completely healthy, bring him back to New York, baby. All right. I'm not, I've never been a huge fan of Georgiev. I think this year has kind of proven it that Igor is the one you put your uh, all your, your horses around. And I would move Georgiev for... Draft picks, prospect, whatever, and bring back Hank on a one-year, $1 million deal, get shit done. Is it fair to say that you have a big shashurkin in your pants? <laughs> if I get to see Hank in a Ranger uniform again, you fucking bet. All right. Well, make sure you walk around clothing the apartment. I don't want to hear about the <laughs> NYPD calling about a shashurkin on the loose. All right, pal? <laughs> a shashurkin and a stutzel. Uh, I always have your stutzel ready. <laughs> but, uh, Everybody, thank you as always for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed just kind of the wraparound today that we gave you, just the trade deadline little wrap-up. And next week we'll be back for another episode. Uh, final push, we'll see if any of these trade trades worked out or certain people already performing or certain people already looking ugly. And uh, we'll give you our synopsis then. So thank you as always, and we'll catch you next week. Sad pit, life is a short trip, the music's for the sad man.